I just want to begin with when you first heard the term ethical storytelling, what did it bring to mind? Uh, I think I immediately thought of like an intentionality that honestly I never really thought about needing to channel storytelling in any sort of like funnel of something and it really just caused me to be mindful of the intention behind storytelling so that was my first thought um and then I think beyond that as we continue talking about it, it was just um you know, what is, what is right and what is wrong when we deal with people's stories. When, when, when were you first presented with this concept of ethical storytelling? Uh, when you two and I were in Thailand working with the Sold Project, now the Freedom Story, um, you all were preparing your, um, I'm going to, for lack of a better word, curriculum of storytelling and ethical storytelling. And so being able to dialogue with you all um, as you process that was the first time I began to process that. So I want to dive into your background a little bit. You're a wedding videographer, um, but you also do nonprofit storytelling now. Uh, Mm -hmm. When did you want to become involved in nonprofit storytelling? Honestly, that was the first thing I wanted to do um, when I realized the very, very first thing I always thought was I wanted to be like a news anchor or a travel journalist or reporter. Um, And as I went along the years of figuring out what I really was passionate about, um, I always thought maybe I would want to be like a missionary when I was younger or something like that. I knew I wanted to do something with purpose. Um, and so before wedding videos ever even became a thought, that really just came about for um, maybe I could do that to support myself to get to do work with nonprofits. And then I learned you could actually just focus on nonprofits and that could be part of your business. And so I think that was always something all along um, and would be my primary passion. What was it about that type of storytelling that really drew your interest? I think that I got into um, visual story storytelling and video because I recognize the power um, of its its power to captivate an audience. So knowing that, I wanted to use it for a purpose and for something beneficial to um, humanity. So I think that combined with I feel like. I have a curiosity for the world and for people, and I wanted to get involved with nonprofits around the world. I just, it seemed like a no brainer to be able to use what I found to be my gifting to benefit nonprofits um, because not everybody can travel, not everybody can go and see that firsthand. And so I wanted to be the eyes and ears into nonprofits and the issues that they're trying to. Um, their issues and their things that they're trying to make a difference in in their areas of the world and I could bring that you know out of that little area (laughs) I could showcase that to the world for them are you tapping something right now me yeah um it might have been my door because I was leaning on it oh (laughs) (laughs) I just heard this consistent like (laughs) 
Um, you mentioned that you came to a point where you realized your power uh, as a storyteller. Can you share that inciting incident that you experienced in your own life when you came to that realization? Yeah, it was it was eighth grade. Um, we were assigned in an announcements class to take to do a final documentary, 10 minute documentary on literally anything that we wanted to do it on. We could do it on. Um, and myself being the good little Christian youth group goer that I was wanted to do it on my youth group. And I realized, Hey, I'm going to have 10 minute platform to discuss anything that I wanted to. And everyone in my class will have to listen to it. Um, and going through and the edit was really when I discovered that, I could decide if people were going to laugh. I could decide when people were going to cry or say, ah, or I don't know. I could control the experience they were having with a click of my mouse. Um, and it was honestly, it was like empowering for me to feel like I had a voice um, and I could, I could manipulate emotions based on that as well. Hopefully I use that for good and not bad. <laughs> what was the first trip you took to film for a nonprofit? Um, so I joined the University of Oklahoma Athletes with, they do a yearly trip called Sooners for Haiti and they work with Mission of Hope Haiti and they go um, use their strength to do manual labor, to paint, to do sports ministry with kids. Um, and my job was to go along and essentially do like a highlight reel um, of their experience that they could then share with other people on campus as well as promoting that for anyone to sponsor the trip and anyone that would want to be interested in going on the trip in the future. And, um, I had been a part of mission of hope before just by going as like a uh, short term missions. And so it worked out really well, um, to be able to be an observer on that trip. Is there anything that you think about as you reflect back on those trips and those in first initial videos that you created, is there anything you would do differently or approach differently now? Yeah, I was actually able to do that trip two different times. And I think the amount that I learned from trip one to trip two is that I didn't really want to focus on the what. And I think I would still look at the second one I did and focus less on the what they were doing and really reflect on how that was having an impact on each individual person. Um, but also being able to hear more, which I didn't do in either trip, hear more of the impact that it was actually having on Mission of Hope. Um, I didn't reach out and get their side of it and how they responded um, to them coming. And I would have loved to hear more from a child if they liked having someone come and play basketball with them or a staff member to see what that was actually doing, you know, after they left. And so um, I think I only kind of told the, the OU's side of the story. And I think it would have been more powerful to hear it from, or at least in part from the other side of that, from Mission of Hope and from Haiti's perspective or that area of Haiti. So when did you start to experience a shift in the way that you approach story after you started filming for nonprofits? Honestly, it was um, 
connecting with you, Heidi. I think you challenged me to find a different way of approaching it. I, I knew that um, through storytelling, through editing, you could move people emotionally. Um, and I'm very good at getting people to cry and feel sympathy. It's a really easy thing to do. Um, I find it very easy, and it's probably most editors and directors probably would find that easy, I assume. Um, but I think you came along and you challenged me that, well, what if people got motivated to get involved with this nonprofit, not because they cried and felt all this pity and sympathy towards them? Um, what if they just got excited about coming alongside? So I think it was our trip um, to Nigeria just where I started thinking about that is, you know, what if my purpose isn't to make people cry to reach in their pockets, but there's something else. So what is that something else that you've discovered? Um, I think you introduced me to the term universal truth. Um, and I, I think finding the thing that connects us to that person's story that is beyond emotions, beyond um, you know, it's some form of shared experience. And so finding out within one person's story how someone in, I don't know, Little Rock, Arkansas could find a connection to someone in Nigeria, that truth that could connect them to make them care about their story because it reflects something in their own story. Yeah. And how do you think that affects the work that both storytellers and nonprofits are doing? I think it makes it a, a bigger challenge for sure, because it's really easy to go to a poor part of the world and stick a camera in people's faces as they're selling, you know, things in the marketplace or they have these living conditions that seem drastically below our standard of living um, at least in, you know, in America and in Europe. And for the audience to look at that and say, oh, no, like, let's pity them. Let's give them money so we can make their life, you know, better and make it more like ours. And I think instead it's, you know, instead of showing them the differences, but really showing them the similarities of this person is happy and this person has gone through challenges and they are overcoming it or they need help overcoming it just like someone in America has challenges. And I think it's, it's a deeper challenge to try to figure out how to do that because it takes a lot of prep work. And I think oftentimes storytellers kind of run into an area or they run, they go out with a nonprofit and they try to figure out what kind of story they want to tell along the way or what visuals they want to do along the way and I think it takes a lot more purpose and intention to say from the beginning, you know, we want to tell this story that connects with a wide range of people. Yeah. So how does this, this concept and this value of ethical storytelling, how does it practically affect the way that you prepare? You mentioned it influences it, but what does that look like in terms of writing shot lists or finding the right person's story to tell, or even in the way that you choose to edit a scene together. Mm -hmm. Let me think on that for just a second. <laughs> I think, um, well, for example, right now I'm working on a short documentary on someone actually in my family who's a quadriplegic, and he became that way on um, 
used a missionary in actually Nigeria and we're trying to tell his story. And I think I has slowed my process down because it's, I naturally just want to like cut to the emotional parts. Um, but I am really trying to map out, you know, what chronologically, where do we come into this person's story and what is the climactic moment? Um, and one of those parts in between that I even want to like start to showcase visually. Typically by now I would have shot a lot of B-roll and I haven't shot any um, because one, I don't want to disrupt people's schedules without knowing that those things are going to actually be used or likely to be used. Um, I didn't push and push and push when he was interviewing to cry. I, I thought, you know, for someone to be telling this truth and this vulnerability, that means they're going to cry and they're going to get emotional. And, you know, my main subject, Bob, never cried. He never got emotional. Um, and instead of trying to break down all those barriers and walls, I just allowed him to speak the truth in the way that was true to him. And so I think, you know, I had to jump through some hurdles to try to find this powerful story um, that is a powerful story. But like, you know, I want to do it in a way that is true to his personality. I think your example brings up a really interesting point that is so applicable when you are in the field filming with nonprofits and you know it is human nature to go in with assumptions and with an agenda and particularly if a nonprofit has a campaign or they're using this film in any fundraising capacity you Mm -hmm. have an agenda that you have to complete and as a storyteller partnering Mm -hmm. with a nonprofit it's your responsibility to help them reach their agenda, but also to approach story in a unique and different way. How do you balance the the agenda with the reality that unfolds in front of you in production? I think you have to definitely understand the agenda and understand the heart behind that, because I don't think any nonprofit is coming for, out of is approaching any story um, to be manipulative. I think you have to learn to have that respect with the nonprofit first um, and really understand their heartbeat. Um, And I think let that soak into you as you make decisions with somebody's story. Um, And hopefully that nonprofit will respect you enough um, that you will, you know, showcase and connect their story to that nonprofit in some way. Um, but I know I used, I worked at a church for three years and I, one of my primary jobs was to tell people's stories and their testimonies. Um, and so often in the edit, they wanted me to circle it back around and say, you know, this person's life was changed because of this church. And they have to say that in the story. They have to say that, it was at this small group or it was because of this pastor. And I wrestled with that so much because for me, I was interviewing somebody in the church. It was going to show at the church. And that seemed to be a very obvious connection that it didn't need to be said within the story. Um, you know, I had three minutes to tell someone's story. I didn't want to take up 30 seconds name dropping the church that we were at. So I think, you know, just finding that person's story and letting the story 
do what it needs to do and just I think communicating that like I don't know people's stories aren't necessarily um, they don't have to be attributed right back to a nonprofit or a church or anything like that I think that story can just move someone on their own and then if it's linked from a nonprofit's website or if it's linked I don't know it's going to connect because it's going to be housed within that nonprofit that might have been a really random tangent but in my head it made sense <laughs> Um, Um, Do you have a vetting process in selecting which nonprofits to work with, Um, and particularly as it relates to your values now and the way you approach storytelling? Yeah, that's actually something um, I have kind of a business goals worksheet that I've been bulleting, like making bullets, um, lists, and just goals that I want to do, and that is something that I haven't, I don't think I'm at the point where I can be super choosy. Um, I'm early on in in my career, um, but I still want to be somewhat picky. Um, I want to be able to believe in that nonprofit so that I approach it passionately. Um, With weddings, for instance, I have my process of vetting down pretty well. They contact me. I send them a questionnaire form of you know, tell me your story. How'd you meet? How, what is your wedding going to be like? What's your personalities like? Um, and then I kind of look at them, you know, their social media and how they're going to, how I think I'm going to get along with them. Um, because knowing that if I don't think I would get along with them, I'm not going to be able to be as passionate about telling their story. And then I think I recently realized, you know, with nonprofits, I need to create some sort of filter as well. Because, you know, if I'm going to spend at least, you know, two weeks away from my family, I want those two weeks to mean something to me, I want to I want that time that I'm going to spend crafting someone's story to be enjoyable for me, but I also want to make sure I'm the right person to tell that person's story. So that actually is something that, you know, I've thought about creating, um, like forms when nonprofits reach out to me to start to begin to understand, you know, what story do they want to tell? How do they think they want to tell it, their values, things like that. Um, and then I would go through and really look at their existing, you know, web presence and try to gather as much information I have on them, similar to how I do it currently with um, brides and grooms. Yeah, and you mentioned that, you know, you're at the start of your career. And a number of the people that we are going to be talking to on this podcast have been in this uh, landscape for years and have Mm -hmm. had lots of opportunities to fail and to succeed. And I'm just curious about your perspective as someone who's really entering into a discovery of what a commitment to ethical storytelling could look like and how it would impact um, your career. What are, mm-hmm. can you speak into that and, and how it's influencing the direction that you're taking with your work? Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to be in the early stages of getting to do what I find really passionate about, but yet I have close to 15 years of experience with video and with my craft, you know, and I'm educated and I have formal training. And so I, I'm bringing in a lot of experience to something that is this new experience. So I think that, um, there's a lot of people that get into, um, 
doing any sort of visual storytelling, whether it's filmmaking or photography, because they look at it as this um, this business. And I think I've never really looked at it that way. So I think, one, I'm bringing in um, a passion, but also a very trained and educated passion. So I think I have a lot of confidence moving forward um, because of that. Um, but I also think I'm trying to learn and trying to accept that I don't know, you know, the best ways to do everything. And I try to reach out to people who are more experienced than me or who have new perspectives, different perspectives. And so I believe, you know, at this point, I'm really trying to challenge what I've known as far as, you know, typically I throw all this video on a sequence in editing and I craft the story out that way. And coming alongside you, Heidi, and and you challenging me to really craft that out on pen and paper, which was a whole new thing for me. So I think just one, realizing that there's always better ways and there's always um, different ways to tell a story better and more true. And I want to be open to that, not just now because it's this new experience for me, but I want to continue to do that. I want to continue to learn and continue to challenge myself. Um, and I think really just learning how to respect the person's that I'm telling their story and respect the nonprofit that I'm trying to showcase to the world really. And I think sometimes I have thought, oh, you know, they've given me permission to video and to capture their life. So that means once that permission has been handed over, like it's free range, I can do whatever I want. And I think really doing that with more care and gentleness, like a kind of like a curator would for a museum, you know, I want to take someone's story and craft that, but care for it so that it's showcased in its truest form. Yeah, that's a really good analogy to that. So with all of this shift in your mindset, I know you have an upcoming trip with a nonprofit next week. How mm-hmm. um, how are you approaching this different this trip differently with this new commitment? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I think, like I said, there's always new challenges, and I you know, I am a week away and I have yet to actually talk with somebody from the organization um, about the story that we're trying to tell. So I think I'm just approaching that with a lot of open-mindedness and alongside trying to tell whatever story I do, they want me to teach them about storytelling as well. So I, I think there's a lot of, one, anxiety because I, I'm not being able to prepare um, probably until I allocated, um, I think, at least one day up front to really start that pre-production process and nail that down, which is not something that I would have pushed for before, is really allocating the time to um, to location scout, but also story scout and really delve through what we're going to do Um And I think I'm just trying to do my best to um, be inspired. I've watched a lot of documentaries in the last, like, week of just really trying to get my mind spinning um, and inspired. And I've revisited story structure and things like that. 
um, and just delved into as much information about the nonprofit as I could, knowing that, you know, I don't have a meeting with them until four days before I leave. So I think just being very open and being as intentional as I can, um, but knowing I'm not always going to have the luxury of, you know, several weeks to prepare is just a new challenge. Yeah. So in this context of, of ethical storytelling, what would you go back and say to yourself when you were just starting out? Um, I think I would tell myself that the, you know, emotions are a really great thing. I think they serve a purpose within the context of visual storytelling, but they are not the goal. It's not the goal to get someone to cry, specifically that emotion, um, that if my goal is to make someone cry, then that is not only manipulating my subject, but it is going to be manipulating my audience. And I think telling my former self to look beyond manipulation and, and look to uh, connection, and I think connecting them to something that I don't know, it goes beyond emotions, that it doesn't have to be this sad thing that we can celebrate someone's story. So, April, um, I'm, I'm really curious when you talk about kind of this concept of manipulation, and I think um, the word agenda came to mind for me when you were saying that as well, and kind of setting your agenda and then forcing the story into that, and your process of learning to let that go, and instead um, invite the the storyteller or the person whose story you're telling um, really to be the driver of how that story is told instead and to be truthful to that. So my question as a consumer of stories or um, especially in this context of nonprofit storytelling, what can donors be looking for um, or how, how do we um, create a uh, more awareness uh, within the donors that are consuming these stories of uh, when they're potentially being manipulated or how to discern through um, the story that is being told to them? Hmm. I think that's a really good question that I don't know if I have the perfect answer for, or I, you know, I don't know if I have the best way to answer that, but I would say at the top of my head, um, really, taking a beat after you watch a story, whether it's a video or if it's a blog post, that is, um, if it's something that is really showing, trying to get you to feel pity, if you feel pity after you watch or observe something or read something, I would definitely take a second um, to let that um, immediate feeling kind of pass before you are moved to any sort of action and really I would say, you know, look at um, whether it's on their website, look over their website and the way that they do things um, beyond that and really, you know, let a story move you to action, but don't let that action immediately be your money and your pocketbook. I think let it, let your first step be, hey, I'm interested in this nonprofit because of this story and whatever that story did to me, but like, 
let that be an invitation to learn more about that nonprofit. And then after that, if you've learned that you really believe in what they're doing, um, let that move you to action, whether financially or some other action. I don't think, um, I don't know. I think it definitely, there takes a step before between, you know, watching a video or reading a story and your involvement. And I think letting those things just push you to want to be educated or not, or learn more versus, immediate action does that answer that question yeah it does and it brings it brings to mind actually another question um, which is maybe also just an observation of tension and how do you tell that narrative of hardship uh in a way that that instead of uh, presenting the pity that could come from that instead shows and you can kind of insert whatever word comes to mind but for me it's the word resilience so how Mm -hmm. do you tell that story of hardship in a way that instead of highlighting pity um or bringing out pity from from a a viewer uh instead like you you talked about those um kind of the the common themes of humanity um and so instead brings out that our our human connection um or that common humanity between us and highlights the resiliency of the person in the story instead Mm -hmm. i think a lot of that is really getting to know the subject and the person's story you're trying to tell, like really understanding that person's personality um, and really showcasing that. I know um, not everybody is, uh, you know, funny or hilarious or lively, but if they are, you know, that's something you want to see. You want to see someone laughing. You want to see them make jokes. You want to see their personality shine through. So that communicates, Hey, like, yeah, I've been through this, but, I'm still a person. I'm still a person like trying to move past this. Um, you know, the story I'm trying to tell about Bob, he's a quadriplegic and he has experienced so much pity and it would be really easy to, um, showcase, you know, all of the hardships and all of the challenges that he has faced. But what, you know, we're really trying to showcase is that, you know, all he's been wanting is just to like hang out with people more and like all the biggest hurt came from just the lack of community. And I think, you know, just encouraging people um, when you tell someone's story is just to, to really, I mean, I, I don't know, it's like, it's a hard thing because obviously people have hardships and you can't necessarily control if somebody's going to react to that with pity. Um, but I think that there's a way to to really showcase that triumph. And I think it's kind of where you position that, um, whether that is the climax or whether that's just a start of the story. Um, But I think really driving that person's personality is, I think, a really strong way of avoiding that. Um, And, you know, connecting that universal truth that, you know, Heidi knows so well on how to connect with. Um, but just showcasing more of that and less emotions as much as you can. Um, I don't know. That's, I think, something I'm still for sure learning because it's really, I don't, you can't really control if, if you know, you tell someone's story and it's a sad story and it's been challenging. You know, I think people will pity that. But I think, um, I don't know, there are definitely ways to, to challenge your audience. And I think those are things I'm still learning how to do, but I would say the best way is trying to showcase that personality 
and trying to showcase the similarities between the story you're telling and the audience that's watching it. So one of the things we are planning on doing is a webinar series where people can, um, it's a live webinar where people can engage with speakers. Um, And aside from just doing an ethical storytelling 101, what are other webinars or workshops that you would like to see um, in relation to this topic? Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of y'all's question as far as choosing or vetting nonprofits to work with. Um, And I think that would be a really great thing to continue to learn how to do. I know I've worked with a nonprofit that once I was with them, I was like, man, I really shouldn't have done this. They weren't either, they weren't ready for this or our personalities don't actually mesh. Um, And I would love to learn more and more um, ways that have worked as far as vetting and what I should look for um, as far as, you know, choosing the nonprofits to say yes to or not. So I think I have ideas on that, but I think I would love to hear from people who have done that who have either done that and they failed, they, they failed in bad ways and these are why or what has worked for them. Um, and I think also um, then just how to build that relationship with the nonprofit and the person you're working with um, and really ways on communicating your vision for story and their vision for story. And really, I, I think overall just how to, build and connect with that nonprofit because probably they're not the creative type. And so I think personality wise, there's always like a little bit of tension as when, you know, business, more business minded people converge with the more creative type. I think that's always a challenge. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Does that answer that? Yeah, that's great. I think a lot of what you're hitting on is what does partnership look like and how do you find the right partnership in in the process of storytelling in the nonprofit world? And even, you know, not always finding the most ideal partner, but finding what your role is in the mm-hmm. process of that partnership and how you can better guide um, and instruct. Because I don't think we have any interest in creating this little niche community that you have to, you know, like sign in blood your commitment to ethical storytelling in order to really work together, but to be open in a way in finding storytellers and nonprofits that have open hands to the way that they approach and are Uh wanting to learn and shift because it is a continual process. Um, And just as our culture and our world changes and shifts, we have to be responsive to the new ways and practices that are relatable to the current state and so I think you know that's a lesson we all need to learn is how to find the right people who are open um, so that we're bringing more people into this collaborative rather than uh, finger pointing and excluding people out of it so I appreciate that about you and that's what I definitely saw in you um, and why I wanted to bring you into these conversations and into these journeys filmmaking with nonprofits is because I see that in you and that openness. So um, thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. I think this might be part of, you know, storytelling 101, but I think even um, 
something that I think I'm still learning on even the, like what things I need are, you know, like the nitty gritty stuff as far as like, uh, contracts and how to, how to invoice and, and price yourself, how to, you know, location scouting and media releases or not location releases and talent releases. I think those things of like, Hey, these are all very important things, (laughs) I think all the like legal business stuff that not everybody thinks about, especially when they start out, um, even just knowing what I should be taking with me or what I should be signing or having signed and where I can get my hands on and who I can connect with to create those things, I think is, I don't know, it'd be good to, to know that going in. Yeah, I think that's terrific. Legal boundaries are what allow us to even um, guide our ethics. So yeah, someone else mentioned that as well. I think even knowing whose role and responsibility are those release forms, the nonprofit or the storyteller and all of that, I think would be good to really address um, and even have downloads on this website of examples so that Mm -hmm. people can find those resources. We're sharing those and we're um, putting them out there for it. So yeah, I love it. All right, got anything else that you wanted to share? Man, I mean, I think you guys asked some really good questions. I think what you guys are doing, I think, are, is just really awesome. I think even the short amount of time I was able to spend with you two as you started to kind of sift through your own knowledge and your experience to get to what that is, what ethical storytelling is, has challenged me and impacted me. So I, I mean, I feel like the more you go into this and more in depth and the more voices, I feel like it's a really exciting thing just um, for the world of storytelling, because I think that has become such a cliche somehow. Everybody has a story and they want to tell their story and how you do things should be about a story. Um, but I don't think as many people are talking about, well, how do you even tell that story and how do you do it well and in a respectful way? And I think, I don't know, I'm excited for what this will do to the whole like community of storytellers, but also to like anybody who watches videos or reads blogs. So like the world, I guess. Thank you so much for participating with us and for sharing your experiences and for being committed to this type of storytelling as well. 